begin this next session with a little meditation. So if you can um, get yourself settled into your meditation and we'll spend <coughs> a little bit of time in silence just in your way, get settled and calm and maybe in your way letting go of whatever thoughts are swirling around. And then um, at some point I'm going to offer you something for reflection and uh, kind of contemplative reflection in meditation and, um, and then you can just kind of consider it and, and um, then you're welcome to think or feel or sense whatever uh, responds to the kind of questions I ask. <clears throat> All of you have a connection to Buddhism, Buddhist practice, to spirituality, to spiritual practice. And inside of you, in in your body, in your heart, how does your spirit, where does your spirituality live? How does it live inside of you? What inside of you is, is touched by your spiritual or Buddhist life? What resonates inside with it? When you feel most connected, what feelings and emotions live in your body? connected to your spirituality. Might there be a place in your body that's the home for your spiritual life, for the heart of it, the center of it. Where in your body, your spirituality gets, what in your body gets most energized or most enlivened or most delighted or most freeing, most freed. And then if there is some place in your body or if there is some inner connection as we're sitting here, maybe you can imagine that you're breathing through that area.
And then I'll offer you this contemplative question. You hear the question and you don't have to think of an answer. There doesn't have to be a verbal answer, but there might be. But first there might just be something inside that responds or gets evoked. But then after a while you might consider if there's a sentence that might answer this question or express your response. So the question is, what is your deepest intention? What is the intention that you most want to base your life on? And you might have various intentions which feel deep or important for you. But which of them might you be gravitating to most right now or seems most significant at this moment? And if there is some intention, that's your deepest intention or a quite important intention that you want to base your life on, how does having this intention nourish you? How does this intention benefit you just having it. How are you supported by it? And then in the last minute of this sitting, if you haven't done so already, 
Could you uh, see if you can come up with a single sentence that expresses your deepest intention? So, I wonder if any of you would be willing to share your sentence, your statement about your deepest intention or intentions you'd like to have your life based on. Yes, please. Let's see, uh, the mic is... Here, here. My intention is to um, slow down and do good things for others. Mm. That's nice. Thank you. And so I imagine that slowing down allows you to do good things more. That's part of the connection between the two. Nice. It helps me not get so caught up in. A little louder. It helps me not get so caught up in, like success or, like, reaching for. The money or something. By slowing down, yeah, yeah, and then it allows you to do good. It's pretty cool. Where did you get the idea to do good? I don't know. Everybody here seems like they're doing good <laughs> things for other people. So that's cool. Uh-huh. I'd like to do that too. Uh-huh. Yeah, what I wonder about, you know, I'm curious if you could say some more. I'm so I'm you know, kind of touched that that's what you want to do. And can you, is there anything more you could say about it? Or Oh, um, well, I guess I... Uh, for example, I think of how I uh, came to meditation and learned to meditate. Um, I was very privileged. I went to a boarding school, and uh, that's pr- a pretty unique um, situation. And 
I recognize that many people, um, I think that meditation would benefit many people, um, and not very many people are get the opportunity to learn at such a young age. So it um, is what ins- inspired my, one of the things that inspired my um, intention to like bring meditation into prisons, because um, there was no reason that I should have been that lucky to learn. Um, so why not spread that to other people? Mm. Great. It says something very nice also about your connection to other people, that you have that wish. Well, yeah, and sometimes I think that being really caught up in, uh, um, for myself, uh, going through college, um, success and uh, just like wanting to have a successful career or whatever um, drives me away from um, caring about other people. I just think of what, how can I benefit myself? Fantastic. Um, and that uh, seems kind of depressing if you step back and look at it. It's kind of what? Uh, I don't know, depressing? Depressing. Oh, they're, they're going off into careers and all that and lose touch with all this? Yeah, yeah. To, I don't know, lose ten touch um, of a connection to other people. Uh-huh. Fantastic. It sounds like a gift that you have that you're carrying with you that you know how to take care of. Thanks. I love it, hearing that. Thank you. Someone else? You want to share your sentence? Stephanie? Um, uh, Amy, go ahead. Um, What arose for me... I've been reflecting a lot on intention since it's the New Year's, but um, what arose for me was to find a deep sense of freedom and to be compassionate along the way mm. towards myself and others. So, so fi- to find, I, missed, I think I missed one word, to find, what about freedom? Deep, like a deep freedom. Deep freedom. And do you have any sense from your previous experiences of what that freedom might be like for you? How would you recognize it or know it? There's some like a memory. It's something that's felt in the body that, that I feel in my body, like a sense of expansion or just um, just recognizing things that I did not recognize before, like knowing deeply things that I did not know before. You could say insight. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of changed my view of myself or maybe something in my world, and it was. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a felt sense to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, what supports you in the movement towards freedom? Uh, there's part of me is saying like steady practice, steady consistent practice, 
And the other part is saying um, the wish to be of service to others. And the wish to be? The wish to be of service uh-huh. is like a motivation because now that I'm starting to teach yoga and uh-huh. a little bit of meditation, I find that I'm paying more attention to Dharma talks and Dharma teachings because I want to be able to share that with others. Um, so there's that. Well, well, that's pretty cool that you have this interest and connection to freedom and that somehow that's closely connected to being of service. I like it. Thank you. Maybe it's because I just heard her answer, so it just brought up something in me. (laughs) So, and Stephanie had her hand up. I feel shy now. I... I just feel really moved, even by the question, like in the meditation. It kind of caught me off guard, (laughs) like just being invited to think about our deepest intention and just to go like, boom, right right down to the core. Um, And then the way you ask, like where we, like where in our body even we feel our spirituality and connection with Buddhism and all of that. My heart just felt so full, and I felt like that helped prime me to um, reflect on my deepest intention. And it was hard to, you know, like distill it down to a sentence, but I felt like be love resonated the most with mm-hmm. me and could capture the spirit mm. of what I felt. And yeah, I just appreciated the, the invitation right. from you. So be love. I love that. And uh, I mean, I, I, I imagine that someone who has that as an intention must already know something about love, have some connection already. Is that the case for you? I'm grateful for the opportunity to both have received love and the opportunities that I've had to be a a vessel to mm. pay is, forward that love. Is there some reference point in, the, in your past of what love is like? Like some event um, or situation or... I think my family was just a very loving... It was a loving environment and mm. um, in a really open way. There wasn't... It felt like a very unconditional love with not a lot of, yeah, conditions, which I guess mm. is the definition of unconditional uh-huh. but uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, that's, yeah. that's pretty marvelous that you have this in you well, you must be delighted well, <laughs> I do feel gratitude mm, fantastic so, thank you thanks. so behind you um Several things were going on, and it, and it just kind of melted down because um, I was like really in my body and present, and um, it came down to is that I uh, want to uh, be um, um, serenity. I want to experience serenity because mm. um, from that place, all things are possible. I think so mm. that's what uh, that's the big one for me is like if I'm got my center my serenity that 
I can be there for all for all others. Mm, beautiful. So, if you can have this sort of serenity, then you can be there for others. So, in a sense, being there for others is even a deeper intention than serenity. <laughs> is that accurate? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Maybe, maybe. I, I just appreciate it because uh, it's easy, to, so easy to be there for others and lose touch with oneself. But to drop into the serenity first means you're in touch with yourself. And from there, then there's an opening to, through that your deep personal connection, then the connection opens up to others. You have more to offer then, I would think. So I liked having both, but they just it's really beautiful. And... Um, but not everyone has desire to be there for others. That's a kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's a, sometimes it's kind of an unusual intention that maybe not in this group, but, but in the world. I think I just wrote this on my paper, but um, <clears throat> I have the sense of uh, being with uh, uh, people who are suffering, really suffering, I think that's why I like working in jails, mm-hmm. um, because I know what it's like, at least to feel like nobody was there for me, and to not have that happen to mm. another human being, is to let people know that there's someone there for them. Mm. And this... Wonderful. That's wonderful, and this desire to be there for people who are suffering and know that there's someone there for them. Is that part of your own spirituality as well? No. no. Uh, of course. <laughs> of course. So, so it's kind of so it's kind of mutual thing. Beautiful. I, I I am delighted in hearing this. Thank you. But thank you very much for saying it. And all of you who spoke, it's. You know, it's a touching thing to share this part of your lives. So now, <clears throat> having done that, what did you just observe? What, what just happened here? If you can take the mic. Here. I observed you having a spiritual care visit with... <laughs> <laughs> the three of them, with, with the way you were reflecting, and uh, and then probing and and taking the conversation kind of deeper and further. So, I was just envisioning that we were in a hospital room, and you were the chaplain or spiritual care visitor. Great, thank you. Leading us in a conversation. Okay, so David, what did you see? Um, I saw that. You all facilitated it on yourselves, the, the, the giving and, and the intention of being here. It just felt like it was this invocation to uh, turn all that good works inwards. It's very, very beautiful, very moving, delicate, and uh, vulnerable. You all felt really vulnerable, and, mm-hmm. and I felt that with you. I loved it. 
Thank you. Someone else? There's all kinds any dimension of what happened. What did you notice? Intimacy, ooh, yeah. Um, I just feel more connected hearing people talk because some of what they said reflected what I was thinking too in my own deepest intentions. So um, it's another opportunity to see interconnection. Mm. Great, thank you. Very nice. Any, any observations about what I did? Comments? Or what you didn't do. Or what I didn't do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a longer list. <laughs> I noticed you showing a lot of um, uh, first, and first encouragement and then a lot of positive reflection and, um, and appreciation. Everybody who spoke, you... You, you were very specific about things that you appreciated about what they were saying and um, and you made an effort to um, you kind of twisted some arms to get people to compliment themselves you, I, I, you have to do it a little louder for me <clears throat> I felt like you were kind of kind of pushing people to um, to be wholehearted about feeling good about their mm-hmm. intentions okay great thank you As an aversive type and as a facilitator, I'm sensitive to when the facilitator um, somehow inserts their value judgment. And there were some insertions of value judgments, and and perhaps that was uh, strategic in the vein of kind of boosting people. Uh, But I noticed that. It wasn't a neutral conversation. (laughs) Oh, that was... Oh, that that was interesting. Okay, thank you. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> so specifically when you said, I like that. That's something that I, I really had to train myself out of as someone who works with young people. And, you know, I remember as a kid wanting to please the teacher. And so if somebody said something and the teacher said, I like that, then I wanted to do that thing. So I was just sensitive to the value judgments that were... Great. that were coming from uh-huh. you. I think that's yeah. great to be sensitive to that. I appreciate that a lot, but I won't say that. <laughs> thank, thank you. And I, you'll forgive me. <laughs> it's not wrong or right. I was, it was just a reflection. No, no, I, a I, neutral I, reflection. No, I, it, it, was, it was actually, it was actually, a, actually a very important reflection because this uh, care has to go into our... What, what we select to choose, to highlight and emphasize. We'll make choices for sure. We'll make assessments. We'll choose what's most useful and helpful for a person. But they can express our own values as well. And so we have to be careful with that. That Are we doing it really in the service of the other? Are we imposing something? And so that, it's, it's very good. Someone else? Juliana. This is actually not about you. It's about Jennifer. Um, So when you asked, do you want to explain or share or something um, about my initial 
sentence, my first thought was, no. Um, but then I saw Jennifer, and she was, like, smiling and, like, like nodding or whatever. It was, like, pretty small, but um, that in itself felt... I mean, you were incredibly encouraging as well. Um, LAUGHTER <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Uh, that was a nice moment we had. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, it's kind of like I, I felt a little bit like you were stepping forward with a little bit of a spotlight, and so I, I, I yeah, that moment did happen. Okay. We're not making that up. Cool. Well, I just <laughs> wanted to express gratitude for that, uh, for like because all the teachers at times, you know, great, uh, do that. So great. So some of you, uh, I think um, Bob used the word I probed, and I think Phil used the word push, I think, right? <clears throat> so it, and, and you said, you know, my, my you know, value judgments got involved. So, uh, you know, it wasn't completely a neutral, just a recognition of something. There was some questions being asked, and there was a kind of probing to find a little bit more to fill it out for the person, to make a deeper connection, uh, partly, in, partly for the purpose of finding, for their sake, uh, what is deeper? What's more deeply here for them that can be supportive for them? And um, maybe their life is challenging, and maybe it's nice to kind of touch into something that's really deep and important and valuable. And um, and uh, and not everyone has easy access to it, and not everyone is in conversations around these things. Someone who shows up as a chaplain or a spiritual caregiver. Uh, sometimes has the permission, sometimes has the association that people think, oh, this is a person I can talk to about important matters, about spiritual matters. That sometimes they, people never have with anyone else in their lives, in their family, they never talk about these things, and with friends they never talk about these things. And, um, and here you show up, and so there's an opportunity to ask very simple questions, uh, I was really struck by Tom this morning and said that you should be really careful about questions. They're very expensive. Was, and since they're expensive, you want to use them w- well and not waste them. And, but, you know, there is this uh, way of uh, uh, asking questions that uh, hopefully are not leading, hopefully that are in the wrong way. Hopefully don't put people on their spot. Don't, you know, they, you know, as I think he was impl- implying this morning, it is a power position to be a chaplain in different settings. And so, you know, people will defer to you and see you as an authority. So if you ask too many questions or if you ask the wrong kinds of questions, uh, it can be very awkward for people to know how to respond and they think they're now they're going to be graded or it's a test. But at the same time, asking simple questions, open-ended questions, questions that um, don't seem to have any expectation for where it's going to go, but just but allow something to, to deepen and more to, more to come out allows that deepening conversation and deepening understanding of someone and uh, and then uh, just that is supportive for people <clears throat> but also then it gives more information for the chaplain if they're going to do a prayer or if they want to give a little blessing or if they want to give some encouragement you know and I think a big part of uh, what people need is uh, to be connected to to be seen to be understood to be appreciated uh, to be valued, <clears throat> and uh, and so what can we find as chaplains that we can do those things with people? Can we find what we can value and appreciate? 
And sometimes you can direct the, uh, the conversation in such a way that you're looking for that or you're finding that. Um, sometimes the question, uh, someone brings up something that's difficult and, um, and you know, maybe it's more open-ended, they're complaining about something. And, uh, and you can ask a simple question sometimes that can turn the direction of the, of the conversation to go a whole different direction. And so, for example, someone's saying, complaining about something, and you say, well, that sounds hard. Are there any ways in which uh, you can imagine you could benefit from this? What? <laughs> well, now that you talk about it, I never, no one's ever asked me that, but I guess I could benefit. I'll learn patience, or I'll learn this. Oh, pa- you know. And then you have a whole different uh, direction the conversation to go, rather than joining in the complaining. You know, you connect around the complaining, and you know, let's let's do it better. Um, you know, so to to be able to ask uh, good questions, uh, choice questions, uh, just the right way, just uh, just the way that um, doesn't seem like a test, doesn't seem like you're pushing them. Hopefully, it isn't too much, too obvious that maybe you have preferences that. Uh, you're going in a certain direction, but you need to. I mean, the chaplain needs to have some kind of assessment and choice about how do you best support this person, and um, what do I appreciate here, and what do I highlight. So this art of asking, uh, of being in conversation with people and drawing people out, or deepening with people, or filling in, or discovering together with them something that's valuable for them and important for them, and to feel your way that you're not going against their wishes, you're not putting them on the spot, to feel your way if it feels like you have permission to do it. And sometimes you might even want to ask permission. You know, they say, oh, but we're, we're touching sensitive things here. Is it okay that I, we keep exploring it or keep talking about it? Or, you know, that was quite, I'm quite moved by what you said. I do have a question about what you said. Would it be all right to ask it? Would it be okay to ask it? You know, because uh, because once you start getting into deeper personal areas of their life, um, you want to be very tender and careful that you're not um, coming from a place of power or the authority that you have is not going to be confused, confusing for them. And <clears throat> but, you know, I think it's one of the tasks that a chaplain can have, one of the tools of a chaplain to have is to uh, find ways to have deeper conversations, discover who the people are in a deeper way. So that was a little bit an attempt to demonstrate that and to talk about it um, before giving you a chance to have a conversation with someone. So um, uh, I'd like you to pair up and for you to be uh, each other's chaplain. So one of you is a chaplain and, and the one who's not a chaplain gets to be yourself, completely yourself. <clears throat> and um, the... And there's been some, uh, in this role play, in a sense, there's already been some setup that's prepared you for the kind of conversation that's going to go. And the conversation is going to go for the chaplain to be interested in to find out more about your spiritual life. That's all. So that's your job as, as the chaplain. And find your way and um, with your person and just find out more about that person's spiritual life and see how that conversation goes. And... Um, and if the person asks a really good question, the chaplain asks you and you're yourself, the really good question, that you could now talk for an hour nonstop. The poor chaplain's not going to get much training in, in, uh, in, uh, you know, in asking questions and you know, moving along and things like that. 
So, so that would be the one guidance that I would give you is that uh, kind of, you know, say what you need to say in a good way, but don't try to be open. Don't, don't you go on and on. Say, make your point in a nice way and, and then wait and see what comes back and where it kind of develops and goes that way. That make sense? Yeah, so I think that, um, uh, I think we can probably do uh, eight minutes for each person. So I will ring a bell after eight minutes and then you can switch. And uh, I'll ring a bell when we start. So you know when I start, when I'm starting the eight minutes. And then um, I'll ring a bell. And when I ring the bell after eight minutes, I'll tell you, I'll suggest you all sit quietly, close your eyes and breathe for 30 seconds or so and then you can switch roles. Okay? So... um, you can find a partner and uh, start. Great. So um, we're running out of time for today, so that's why I'm kind of trying to speed it along here the best I can. I'm trying to speed it along here the best I can. <laughs> and... Um, it was certainly uh, very sweet to sit here in the room and kind of witness and feel and hear a little bit the conversations. Um, do you have any, uh, some of you want to suggest, offer any single word or two about what that was like? So we get a, get a sense of what it's like as a whole. Anyone? You were chatty. Chatty? Larry? Mm. Yeah. I wish I could do it with every person mm. here. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that would be nice. Yeah. I feel like they, uh, it, they take on a life of their own, these one-on-ones, and, and I don't feel like I ever follow the instructions the way I'm supposed to. <laughs> there weren't much instructions. <coughs> there weren't much instructions. There weren't that many instructions, was there? No. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. I found it really fascinating that how the difference in, sti- um, difference in styles, uh, how we hold our, our spiritual experience and, and communication mm-hmm. was really enlightening. And, and I loved it in this context of keep myself out of the way and really try to understand rather than put my stuff on it. Great. Know? Lovely. Great. So uh, we are running out of time. So that was a little bit of an exercise in, you know, uh, you know, uh, trying out having these spiritual care conversations and a little bit to feel your way as a chaplain uh, to reflect back, to engage, to connect, to maybe ask questions, whatever seemed most helpful to help the situation go deeper, fuller, whatever was needed. It was your job to figure that out. And, um, and also as a way of creating community. So, you know, I think it's very valuable for us as a chaplaincy training group to get to know each other more and feel connected and and um, so it had the double purpose, and I'm grateful for you going along with that. Thank you. Okay. So, our closing ceremony for today is going to be um, a taking refuge ritual. And we're going to pass out, and as we pass these out, I'll. Uh, Say a little bit about it.
So we take refuge from, you know, classically in, uh, in, in Buddhist thought, we take refuge from uh, the dukkha that arises out of our clinging. We take refuge from that and we take refuge in the path of awakening, the path of liberation beyond suffering. You know? So in, in one sense there's a, uh, a movement, you know, from and to, you know, a kind of a letting go and a letting in. A letting go and a giving over to. And then in English we use the word uh, refuge. Yeah. And so one thing to do is is to reflect on that for a moment. You know, what is it? What is it you want to let go of? What is it the you know in, in the way that you know yourself and how you get stuck and where you get stuck and and just like a sigh, oh, just, just, just let it go, you know, and then taking refuge in, you know, like as Gil was probing, and, and, and what is that? that aspiration, a certain quickening of a sort of inner nobility, you know, that wants to be of service. How amazing, in the midst of all the things that rattle around inside of us, there's this aspiration. It, it, it's, it's not self-serving, it, it's not grandizing, um, it's just something extraordinary, uh, rich and noble and pure. And then in a way, taking refuge is a singularity. It's just how those two combine. And the wisdom and compassion innate in our being that gives rise to them. And then in another way, it's threefold. You know? there, there is that... Um, the movement of refuge, the aspiration of refuge, the release of refuge, and, and how that's illuminated by mindfulness, by awakening, by liberation. And then there's taking refuge in the teachings, you know, the skillfulness, the practices, that support that. And then there's taking refuge in the interconnection of being. The, the, way, uh, the way we, as someone was joking earlier today, well, maybe it's infectious today, you know, this taking care of others. We're sort of inspiring each others. Uh, that we're all in this together. We're practicing together. That each of us in our own way has this nobility of spirit. 
So as you reflect on that, you can take this cord and then you, the tradition is you tie it on the left wrist and, um, and maybe you can do it for the person. It's, it's a lot easier if someone else does it for you. <laughs> so. Do it on your neck? I've never heard of that, doing it on your neck. Classically on your neck, too? Okay. And, and as you do it, maybe you can think about um, inviting this person, supporting this person to, um, to take refuge. Where did tie your knot? Put your finger there. Hmm. Seems like the yeah, probably good. Good. Yeah. Let's see. That's it. That's good. That's Sometimes if it's a wrong kind of knot, it comes undone. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it's the wrong. It's the wrong kind of knot. Yes, yes. Okay. I didn't bring them down. And then you can either cut the surplus off with scissors or you can um, just tie them under. And then if you would, we'll, st- we'll make a circle. And I would offer you another fun little um, engagement in in relationship to taking refuge. Um, I started doing this, you know, in in the Zen when we we do, we sit all day and then at the very last thing of the day we take refuge. And when I'm leading it, I would say a little bit about taking refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha. But then I find myself never, trying never to repeat myself. It, it, so, I offer you that, you know, it's like, like right now, as we're about, we'll, we'll chant the, we'll take the refuges in Pali, you know, if you don't know, just, it's repetitive, you'll pick it up. And, um, but just before we do it, or as we do it, you know, you can, okay, what is it to take refuge in Buddha? Okay, what is it to take refuge in Dharma? What is it to take refuge in Sangha? And just see what comes into your mind, you know. Maybe it's a single word for each one, or maybe it's an image or a phrase. 
Okay. Fresh. Keep it fresh. <laughs> The bathroom's not clean today, but if there's anyone who could stay a little bit late and clean the bathrooms, that would be great. Anyone want to go to dinner? We're going to Crouching Tiger on Broadway, and I made a reservation for eight, but more are welcome. Bye,